Shelley and Karen, who's a good friend to me and was Jeremy Johnson's assistant. When we left off, she had just shared with Rich and I, who's the attorney that I had investigating the attorney general investigation with me, we had just learned that there were some notes that Jeremy had saying that his attorney had met with John Swallow, the attorney general, and that John Swallow had asked him for $120,000 to make Jeremy's charges go away. I didn't think that that really happened. When we left off, we had just stepped outside, and I was just calling Travis Marker. We're going to pick up again right there. Speaker, and I call Travis Marker to say, hey, I just met with Karen, uh-huh. Jeremy's assistant, and I saw these notes that Jeremy had, and in his notes... It said that you had met with John Swallow and that John asked for $120,000 to make Jeremy's charges go away. Is that true? I'm totally expecting him to say, no, 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 that never happened. Yeah. yeah. And instead, instead he says, who is going to hear this? What? Oh, I'm, I'm like, like, ah, like the whole legislature. <laughs> I did. I said, oh my gosh. Uh, the legislative committee, the whole legislature, the whole, and he said, um, uh, I said, can, can we come and talk to you? <laughs> did he say this? And he's like, uh, and he, now he's like him hawing around and I'm like, please, can we come talk to you? And he said, like, when I like now is right now too soon. Yeah. <laughs> like, please, like, can we I- meet you? I begged him begged him to meet and we went and met him at his office now it's like five o'clock the night before thanksgiving five thirty, and we get there and he's so nervous at first and thankfully i had rich with me because rich spoke his language he felt more comfortable with rich than with me because he was afraid sure sure but jeremy had given him permission to just like he did with karen tell the truth so we go through it, and what Travis tells us is, yes, he met with John Swallow three times because Jeremy had said, hey, John's my friend. He says he's going to help me with this stuff. The right. first two times, he's just like saying, I don't know how I can help him. I don't know. I don't know. And the third time, he meets with John Swallow up at the state capitol. John was the sitting attorney general at this time. And he meets with him, and he tells him, like, hey, Jeremy's been indicted. He's in jail. We really need some help here. There's a cafeteria that the legislators all use. Okay. And there's like this little side room that John took him into the side room. And he, he tells Travis in this side room, he tells him, you know, if Jeremy could pay me $120,000, I could make these legal charges go away. And he said that to the attorney. He said that to the attorney. Yes, that is what the attorney told us. Remember, he has been acquitted of this since that time. And I'm sitting there thinking, holy crap. This is a- this is solicitation of a bribe. This is a second degree felony. We just got the biggest charge in all of this right. investigation right. thus far. And Rich is like so sharp. He's on top of it. Rich says immediately, would you be willing to do a declaration to that effect? And Travis is a little hesitant. But he, Explain what a declaration is. It's a sworn statement. It's essentially the same. It's like raising your hand in a courtroom and saying, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth. Okay. Yep. Okay. I solemnly swear 
So Rich works with him on that declaration. In the meantime, my mom and dad were down there. I'm down there with my parents. My mom had had a massive heart attack a couple months before and literally died and came back to life. And I was going through like some serious emotional stress. And I had my parents there and I was making Thanksgiving dinner, like everything because my mom had, had this heart attack. Right. I'm doing You're everything. For Jeremy. I, I, making Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, at this and, point, didn't you kind of feel like Jeremy? I did. I did kind of. Yeah. That's absolutely That's what true. the media I didn't said. Know it who was he like, was. yeah. Yeah. I didn't know who he was. I didn't. And, I, you, like I tell you in all the other episodes, people, you really don't know until you get into the facts. Right. What I knew about Jeremy was, the one thing I did know is he was so peculiar because he wanted to shout his stuff from the mountaintop so much so that the government put a gag on him and he wasn't allowed to. Wow. That was very peculiar to me because I'd never had a client that wanted to do that. But I judged him so harshly. I remember when I was interviewing one of the pilots. This was before I interviewed you, Karen. Mm-hmm. And I was interviewing one of the pilots and he was such a nice guy. And he was saying like, Jeremy is the nicest guy I've ever worked for. He was so generous and he was like amazing. And he told us these stories about how Jeremy had flew that expensive, fancy plane, the Citation 10 to Haiti and like just loaded it up with people that needed, turned it into a triage. Yeah. Like, and the guy's like, are you kidding? This is a multi-million dollar plane. Jeremy's like, I don't care. Yeah. Just load the people on, fly them to florida and get them help and the pilot tells the stories like that they said these people are from haiti we don't have papers for these people we can't get them through customs in miami jeremy like this will never happen and that plane had to have two registered pilots to fly it licensed pilots like they had to be licensed for that jet and they were scared that to fly of course people into america that had no papers sure and jeremy said just do it well they were like injured that's a whole nother podcast i would never ever talk in church but i would that is the craziest humanitarian story oh my gosh let's make a note of that that would might be something that we could do we we really do need to do that that is that's an incredible story and and see when the pilot was telling me this and he he actually had tears in his eyes and he said and so we flew these people into florida and landed and the customs guy got on the plane and looked around and saw these like young kids that had like lost a leg. That yeah, they there was, it was blood everywhere in the jet. Oh my gosh. And the customs, like usually they just say, hey, turn around, get out of here. You don't. And he said the customs agent just turned around and walked off the plane. Wow. Like, mm-hmm. and, and so I'm hearing this story and he's, and the guy's saying like, Jeremy was so generous and the story moved me. But in my head, I thought, well, yeah, he's generous with other people's money because yeah. I was thinking that he'd stolen money. Oh, so please okay. know, I, I was believing the, the, media. the press. I was, I was believing the media sure. what I'd heard. And at this point, I was still in that place, but I was. Like Maya Angelou says, when you know better, you do better, yeah. right? <laughs> I didn't know better yet. Yeah. And I was respectful. I don't, I don't think I was being mean, but yeah, I did. I'm being incredibly skeptical of every every single fact uh-huh. that comes in. I've got to look at it three times. So Rich is working on the declaration of Travis Marker. That's his role because that's his thing, man. I'm not a lawyer. Right. He is. Right. That's So he's perfect for that. Those lawyers are creating that. While I'm doing that, 
I get a, a text from Karen and she says, Hey, if I could get you a phone that has some recordings on it, would that be helpful to you? <laughs> I'm like, what? Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> I'm like up to my elbows in Thanksgiving dinner, foods uh-huh. all over. <laughs> and I'm like, let me stop. Yeah. <laughs> like immediately, what? So I call her. I'm like, what are you, what, what are you talking about? And she says, you tell me about the phone. Yeah. Don't take it from me. Let me just let you hear it yourself. Because I'm like, okay, I, I feel like I can trust Pamela and Rich because they had promised me, like, if I shared information, they would protect. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, they, if I said don't, they were going to, I mean, I just trusted them. We had yeah. a conversation and I trusted them. So I was like, you know, I feel like if they're really doing an investigation, instead of playing ping pong back and forth, let me just give them the phone that has recordings on it. Let them hear it yeah. themselves. So I call the chairman and say, hey, uh, I have a chance to get a phone that hopefully has a bunch of recordings with all the information we're trying to get. Can I take this into custody? And he's like, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so I take the phone into custody and <laughs> Stephen Rice, the, the main attorney, and, and I take Rich back to the airport, right? Stephen gets word that I have taken a phone into custody now, mind you, all the New Yorkers are back in New York for Thanksgiving. Yeah. They're doing their family stuff. Yeah. Well, I live here. This is my, Utah's my home. I'm like right in the heart of all. And of course, I'm going to stop everything I'm doing to grab that phone and everything else that Karen's willing to share. Sure. So I do. I like drop my life, everything. And I take the phone in custody. I get a phone call from Stephen Rice. And this is the reason I now have an app on my phone that records every call that comes into me. <laughs> Because I didn't have that app on my phone at the time. And he called me and said, Pamela, what are you doing? You are making us look bad. Stop working. I told you to stand down. I'm telling you, stand down. But I was like, well, I'm sorry, but I had a chance to get this evidence. And so I took it. And I talked to the chairman and the chairman told me to take it. And he is like... I'm telling you to stand down. You're the most insubordinate investigator I have ever worked with. Oh. I am this close to firing you. And I'm trying not to laugh because he didn't hire I you. didn't work for him. Yeah, yeah exactly. I don't I didn't work for him. I you worked for the chairman. Fire Tinkerbell. What is <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> the hell? Exactly. But I didn't laugh. I was as respectful as I could be. Were. And he says, look. You're going to have to pay for the recovery of this phone data yourself. And so I just said, okay. And I had already worked it out. I already had it set up who would recover that phone data. I had all my ducks in a row already, and I was really excited. Listen, Stupo, I got this handled. And remember earlier I told you about the IT guy and how we got a declaration from him. He was interviewed, and before we did that, I said to him, I just quietly took him aside and said, I like you, so I'm warning you right now. Tell the truth. We know the truth. I can't tell you what I know, but I can't tell you this. I, this is not what I'm saying to him. I'm telling you guys as listeners. I can't tell you what we knew of his statement, but I can tell you this, that when he wrote his statement and he gave it to John Swallow's attorney, the, the next day, the IT guy, and this is about the same time that I'm recovering the phone from Karen and getting evidence like that. 
about that time, there comes this announcement. And see, the whole investigation was just decide whether he should be impeached or not. While I'm just getting the biggest stuff that we've found in the case, the $120,000 solicitation of a bribe, this phone with possible recordings, I'm just happening into this goldmine of evidence. While that's happening, John Swallow announces his resignation. What? So yeah, and I'm like, oh wait, don't read. Yeah, like, wait, I don't don't run away. I, I haven't caught you yeah, yet. Like yeah. I'm just don't slide out of here. Yeah, he knew she was getting info. He yeah. knew he was yeah. done. He wasn't yeah. even cooking. His goose was cooked for Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes, so, <laughs> I like that. That's so good. So one of the things Stephen says to me, the attorney that I wish I had had it recorded. As he's yelling at me, just tearing into me for doing great work, I secretly loved it. Because remember, when I found out they were making $3 million and I was making 30000 yeah. I was like, ah, that's okay. I'm going to outwork them and outshine yeah. them. And here I was doing it. That was, I set my goal, and I was achieving it. Tell me this. There is at some point someone else wanted to block you and go directly to me. Do you remember that? No. Somebody else called to talk to me. Oh, really? And I was, uh-huh. And I was like, uh, Part no, of the no. team? Yes. And Part I was of, like, oh. nope, nope. I don't trust you. I don't know you. Go through <laughs> Pamela. Uh, wow. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Because they did want to fire me. I only know that because they told me they wanted to fire me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and I don't mean like the chairman. I loved the chairman. He was such a nice guy and so honest and straightforward. And when John Swallow resigns, he set his resignation date a couple weeks from then to make sure that he would get his full retirement because he needed like an extra two weeks or 11 Uh days or something. Yes. So he received full retirement as his resignation. We actually get the official declaration. Travis Marker signs it. I cannot tell you how proud I am of that declaration. Uh And here is the, let me read from the declaration. This is from the report in regards to that incident that I just told you. This is from the House investigative report, which, so it's all like, this is public. And what it says is the committee received an allegation that after the filing of the complaint, Mr. Swallow again offered to help quiet Mr. Johnson's legal troubles and asked for $120,000 to do so. An attorney named Travis Marker told the committee that he was retained by Mr. Johnson and other IWorks defendants to assist in the FTC lawsuit and later the federal criminal case against Johnson. Mr. Marker said that at Johnson's request, he, Marker, met with Mr. Swallow twice in June of or July of 2011 at a cafe near the Capitol to discuss how Mr. Swallow might help with the case. Mr. Marker said they discussed whether there were other attorneys or individuals who might have insights on how to proceed with the Utah U.S. attorney, meaning the federal charges. That's the the U.S. attorney. okay? and then at a third meeting in August of 2011 at the cafeteria in the Senate building on Utah's Capitol Hill, Mr. Marker said Mr. Swallow suggested that Mr. Johnson would quote, have more options, close quote, if he could pay an amount that Mr. Marker recalled was approximately 120000 Mr. Marker said that Mr. Swallow appeared nervous during this meeting and did not explain how the money would be used. Mr. Marker told Mr. Swallow that Mr. Johnson's assets had been frozen 
and he, Johnson, would not be able to come up with the money. Mr. Marker provided the committee with a sworn declaration attesting to these facts. So, to me, I'm like, holy crap, I just, like, this kicked butt. Right open, yeah. Like, this is a second-degree felony. I, with Karen's help and Jeremy's cooperation through Karen and his being totally open, we got this. Oh, my gosh, I was excited. So, one of the things that Stephen, the attorney for the legislators, the head attorney that was mad at me, one of the things he said when he was mad, because John Swallow had resigned, he said at that point they had only spent our bill their the whole bill was like a million and a half and so he said to me hey you're making us look bad like stop working and he said i'm trying to figure out how to get more money out of the legislators and you're working doing this is making oh. like you're interfering with what we're doing wow and i'm like oh my gosh like where is my freaking recorder wrong on so many levels so we hang up and the next thing I learn, they've decided to do a two day hearing where the investigative team, not me, will reveal all of our findings from our investigation. And that, of course, to prepare for that and to present that, that's going to cost a fortune. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, they figured out how to get more money. Okay. Well, good for them. And I said to someone high up on the team, I don't want to get them in trouble. I'm not going to say to whom. I said, when I learned they were doing that hearing, I'm really proud of that work, right? So I say to them, are they going to use that solicitation of a bribe that we got from Karen for the Travis Markers declaration? And this person on the team informs me, no, they're not going to use it. And I was like, what? What did you? Are you kidding? Why wouldn't they use that? Everything else is a misdemeanor. This is the only felony that we have him on. Like, you've got to be kidding. And he said, I know, I agree with you, but they're not going to use it. And I was really mad. And I said, that's so stupid. That, I can't even believe, I was, I was mad about it. So I get word from the chairman. He asks if Rich and I would mind being at the hearing, although we were not allowed to participate, like we didn't get a speaking role. We really didn't even get a role where we got to sit up there in the fancy seats. We had to sit in the cheap seats with the public. With the pop. <laughs> but that's okay. But the chairman's had asked me, you know, Pamela, we want to acknowledge you for your work. Will you please come to the hearing so we can acknowledge you for your work? And I said, okay. And I was all proud. Well, fast forward to the day of the hearing, just a few days later, and I get a phone call from New York from one of the investigators that I was friends with. And he's kind of almost laughing. He goes, hey, so you released the Travis Marker declaration. And I said, what? Yeah. And he was kind of laughing. He goes, yeah, I guess they deserve that. And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, it's front page news. <gasps> and I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? So I heard him pull up the Salt Lake Tribune. It's not in the Tribune. And I said, wait, I don't see it. And he said, no, it's Deseret News, our, the other local paper. So I heard him pull up Deseret News, front page news. There is an article that they now have this declaration that's referring to the Travis Marker declaration and that John Swallow solicited a bribe for 120, solicited $120,000 to make Jeremy's charges go away. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, I didn't, how did this come from? I didn't give this, like, what are you talking about? And while I'm talking to him and he's kind of laughing, my phone clicks over and it is Jim Mintz, the head investigator that I'm working with, not for, I'm working with, right? 
I click over to him. He's from New York. And he says, Pamela, why did you leak that information? And I said, I honestly, I just barely found out about it just seconds ago. I did not leak anything. And he said, yes, you did. Do you know how this messes up our whole case? This messes everything. And he just like starts tearing into me. And I don't, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. I'm sorry. I didn't do this. I didn't do it. I don't know where they got it. I don't even. And so he hangs up. He's so pissed off at me. My heart's pounding. I'm, I am terrified. Like, oh my gosh, I'm in so much trouble and I didn't do it. And then. Next thing I know, I get a call from the chairman. Oh my gosh. And the chairman says, Pamela. Did you do? Why did you do this? Why did you leak this information? And I was like, what? No, I didn't. I didn't leak the information. I promise you. And he says, yeah, you leaked it to the Deseret News. And Sammy Linebaugh reported it. You leaked it to Sammy. And I said, are you kidding? I don't even know who he is. I don't know Sammy. I, <laughs> he Sammy is? is a girl. Oh my gosh. I didn't know yeah. that. No. I didn't know Sammy. So when I heard Sammy, I was like, I don't know him. Oh, I didn't gosh. do it. I don't know him. And so the chairman, actually, he, he was so much nicer about it. He says, well, you know, we're pretty much finished with your investigation anyway. So we hang up. It took me a day to figure out I'd just been fired. Oh like, my gosh. He was so nice the way he fired me. I did, I'm that slow, I guess. That I was like, wait a minute. I think he fired me. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I think they got it done. But I was so defensive because then I start doing research on who this Sammy Linebaugh is and I find out it's a girl. So then I call the chairman. I'm like, hey, I promise you, I did not do this. I just found out Sammy's a girl. I didn't even know who Sammy is. Yeah. And he says, yeah, you know what? You're right. I apologize. He said, I'm sorry. I actually asked around because all the media was at that hearing. And he asked them, how did Desert News get the story? They said that Sammy was bird dogging this story. And she got it from Travis Marker himself. And Travis was a good guy. He didn't release it to try to undercut a house investigation. He knew that that was some of the biggest information in the case. So he thought for sure it was going to be part of the hearing. He didn't know they weren't going to talk about it. Gotcha. So when Sammy was like questioning him, she's saying, hey, look, it's going to be in the hearing tomorrow. Anyway, you may as well give it to me. And so he's like, you're right. It is. So then he gave it to her. Yeah. So he had no idea what he did to us. So we get fired. (laughs) (laughs) So my question is, so how did that affect the... Committee. I mean, it's fact. Just because the news got it first, everybody had already seen it. Why weren't there charges well, pressed then? There were charges pressed later. See, now he's resigned, right? Okay. It took me a minute to even realize because the chairman is so nice that I was like, wait, I think I think I just, we got fired. <laughs> I didn't even <laughs> notice. Like, he's so nice. And we, I... I don't get fired from jobs. Yeah, like I'm exactly. doing the best work in this case. How could I get fired? Yeah. But he counts it like, well, you know, we're just doing the report now. So we don't really need you guys anymore. Okay, whatever. But he did for the second day of the hearing. He's like, well, now after that, he'd realized that I really didn't give the information to Sam. Right. So then he invited us to show up and then they took a second and said, please acknowledge Pamela and Rich for their investigative work and wave and, 
Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And, <laughs> now get, and, get your purse <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And could you little kids leave the yeah. room now so the big adults can uh-huh, talk? Exactly. So, <laughs> so it was kind of kind of similar to that. So then Karen calls me. How oh, this is like almost Christmas time now, just after Christmas, and Karen is still calling. She's like, "I'm so sorry. I can't believe this is happening. Like, we finally have someone that's listening." following the evidence mm-hmm. and and you get fired like this is just terrible yeah and she was upset i just remember being like why don't they want the information they do an investigation but they don't want the information then karen and i were talking and as part of that you were telling me hey there's like a hard drive that was seized from jeremy's office that has all of the recordings that jeremy was doing that he he believed there were recordings from Harry Reed with Harry Reed with Harry Reed's people with Richard Rawl that recording that I had said and the other thing remember Richard Rawl he's the Czech City guy oh that's right that was working uh-huh. with Jeremy yep. he was working with Jeremy to, to help lobby mm-hmm. quote lobby Harry Reed even though uh, there are some lobby limits and I put in the last episode that Harry Reed his biggest constituents were. Oh, well, two of his biggest constituents were MGM and uh, Caesar's Palace. And they, the most they gave was 300000 and 130000 Uh So <laughs> the money that we're talking about, millions? Yeah. What? Right. That was not disclosed. That was not disclosed anywhere that I can see in Harry Reid's stuff. Now, we could say maybe Jeremy was lying, but I do have a copy of a $2 million check. And I will have another witness come and speak to that. Okay. But Richard Rall, here's a really, like, this is so much like a crazy, fascinating movie. Richard Rall, in the process of all this, John Swallow, the, as attorney general, was panicking because it was looking horrible for him that he was part of this money that went to, that Jeremy and Scott Levitt had given Richard Rall $250,000. And John Swallow didn't want to have anything to do with it at that point. And Richard had cancer and he was dying. So he went to see him at the hospital. Who, and who it, went it, to see him? John Swallow okay. did. And he had just happened to have with him a deathbed confession. And I say a deathbed confession because Richard died within 24 to 48 hours of signing this declaration. What? So, yeah, I will read from that where the house investigation it's in our house report that we spoke with richard rawls attorneys and they said we don't know where the declaration came from because we did not prepare it so then it was acknowledged that john swallow prepared the deathbed declaration and he takes it to richard richard literally is hours away from leaving this earth and john shows up with the declaration and hands him it says, hey, will you sign this? So this deathbed declaration gets signed that says John Swallow didn't get any of the money. He wasn't. He didn't have anything to do with this. Which is nice. That That's good for John. Yeah, convenient. Yeah. That's not right. Like that. That's so I'm with Karen. That's so convenient. Yeah, convenient. Yes. That that's enough. Yeah. Yes, no one's there totally. to witness it. He writes it up. He has his guy dying on his deathbed. Didn't say a word. Just sign right here on the dotted line. Hmm. Right. Yeah. So, Bullshit. so Bullshit. he's hoping Bullshit. that gets him out of it. <laughs> yeah, so, 
So we've got this deathbed confession, and he's hoping that everyone will just think, hey, of course he didn't do it. This guy that's dying said he didn't do it. So, <laughs> and we get fired from the coolest job I'd ever had, I thought. But can you keep a good dog down? I don't think so. This is not the end of us. And <laughs> you won't believe how we come back. And then what happens to us? And what happens to this case? All the twists and turns. I think if I were making this up, I would have had the New York lawyers and investigators get fired and we would finish it out. That's how I would have done it. But you won't believe how this case ends, how this goes. So sorry to cut it off. You're going to have to check it out on our next episode. Thanks for listening to Pamela Private Eye.